right, guys, let's get into it. Episode nine of the Bruder podcast. Coming off the back of our best podcast statistically thus far, episode eight, Aaron, we had over 200 uh, listeners and views, which is hundreds. Ma- massive. Hundreds of people watching and listening in. That is massive. Um, what's Well, let's get started, guys. There's some big news, obviously, um, close to home mm-hmm. uh, for us in terms of uh, the motorsport world. Daniel Ricciardo, out of nowhere, dropped the hammer a couple of days ago. So we're still, um, it's still fresh and I think definitely worth talking about, yep. given that we've uh, sort of touched on F1 a little bit this year and talked about the musings of what might happen with Mr. Mm. Ricciardo and where his signature may lie. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Friday night. I was actually at, um, at a restaurant and my phone buzzed and I got a notification that he'd left Red Bull. And then no one knew, there was like a half hour gap before we knew where he'd actually moved to. Uh, for those who have been living under a rock with no internet, um, he's obviously moved to, to Renault. Give me, give me your thoughts as a, you're not a huge F1 enthusiast. Give, give me your thoughts. I'm interested to hear. Well, obviously it was out of the blue because I think when we've spoken about it previously, we'd always talked about Ferrari, Mercedes or remaining at Red Bull. I don't think we've ever thought that Renault was sort of a possibility. Um, so obviously, there's been quite a bit of work happening in the background. Um, as an engine brand, I don't mind Renault, and it obviously shows he's probably done some due diligence, and maybe there's a huge amount of investment going that's attracted him across there, and he thinks that they can put him in a you know, possible championship contending position. Um, and obviously he's made a call on Max Verstappen and where he sort of sits in the Red Bull team. So he's going to back himself. So I think it's well, good on him. Um, you know, he's going to have a crack at it. I guess that's his nature. So, yeah. Well, it's a funny one because obviously Mercedes locked in their two drivers for the mm. next um, year or two at least. I think Bottas, I'm not sure if Bottas is one year or two years signed in, but uh, Hamilton's definitely more than one. So there was no seat at the table there. You then had the unlikely scenario of Ferrari, given that Vettel mm. is the golden child there, and they don't want to sign someone that's going to rock the boat. And by rock the boat, it'll it'll affect. You mean be a better driver? Yeah, the masculinity of <laughs> of, of, of Vettel. He's he's done it before. Um, so you're in a funny position, right? Because as you as you sort of touched on there with Verstappen, mm. as much as um, we uh, 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 Ricardo fans, the fact of the matter is. Red Bull are going to favour Max. Yeah, he's second fiddle. They, they are going to favour yeah. him. Even though Ricardo has won more races this year, he's higher in the tally of points, and he has done last year as well. But still, he gets treated like uh, the second, the second, or not quite like a second driver in, in a world where you had Schumacher and um, Massa or, or um, you know, um, like a Raikkonen and a, a Vettel situation. But if he had stayed at Red Bull, the Honda factor is is an unknown quantity, right? Yeah, sure. The reality is the Honda engine was probably not going to be, it's probably not going to be on par with a Ferrari or a Mercedes engine next mm-hmm. year. The chassis, no doubt about it. So then he goes, well, if I go to another works team with Renault, they're going to pay him a lot. I'd mm. love to know what they're actually paying him. It's got to be pretty significant. Well, we were guessing, what, maybe 25 million euro per year? That was our estimate, something I, like that? Yeah, I'd say something like that. I read an article before, reckon 25 million US. So that's about the same as a euro, I think, anyway. So yeah. probably along those lines um, per year for, for two years. Well, who knows? What do you do with that money? Buys live in, a, Mon- live bu- in Monaco? Buys a singer DLS. <laughs> um, uh, so then he basically decides, he goes, well, I'm going to go to Renault where he's going to be the number one driver. Yep. Smart move. I think that's clever. Funnily enough, Hulkenberg's a good driver as well, who's going to be now number two. 
Um, the engine, are they going to make improvements? I don't know. And then the chassis is not as good as a Red Bull. But the thing is, I don't think, worst case scenario, um, I don't think it's going to be a situation where Red Bull next year are going to go and win every race and he's going to be sitting in the middle of the pack. No, no, that, it could be quite comparable. No, I don't, they won't be touching you don't, you Red don't Bull. Think so? No, they're miles off now. In 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 the current one, you've got Ferrari and Mercedes at the top, and then in in uh, fifth and sixth, it's Red Bull. Short of something happening at the front or a specific track like Monaco, where the Red Bull really works well. But for him to sign on, he must have been given some sort of undertaking or indication of money they're going to put into it, and where they think the car will get to. Because it wouldn't just be dollars for him. He could probably have commanded. A lot, whether it's 10, 15, 20, 25, I think he probably would put a championship ahead of an extra dollar or two. So he's obviously got some comfort that he's, there's something happening that's going to be quite favorable and improvements. So the fact of the matter is, Renault as a factory team, um, when they've come in and out of the sport mm. over the last few years, obviously, if you go back to oh, what year was it? Alonso won a couple of championships um, yep. with Renault. They then like sold the team. Then they sort of came back with Lotus and did something. And anyway, they basically now own the team again. So it's a proper factory team mm-hmm. and they're tipping a lot of money into it. They had a five-year plan, all these things. They're probably not as far along as they're meant to be in that plan. Mm. What I reckon is they've said to Ricardo, we want you number one. We're going to pay you a lot of money. They've probably promised that the Rebel, uh, the, the Renault engine is going to get better and the chassis is going to get better mm. and all these things. Now, uh, next year, he signed on for two years. Next year, they get the new front wings, which mm-hmm. are meant to simplify things, which might take away some of the benefit from the front running guys. Mm. Um, and then off the back of that as well, we have the new regulations coming in in 2021. So he's pretty much got like a... A window. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. He's, he, he was in no man's land. Like he could have stayed at Red Bull... But he had to take a gamble on something. It might blow up in flames and be an Alonso situation or it might be a Hamilton situation or even a Vettel situation. Vettel signed with Ferrari when they Ferrari was sucking mm. and, and uh, same with Hamilton. He signed with Mercedes when they were sucking. So you it might turn around. It will be interesting. Um, but then again, I think the fact that they pay you a lot of money allows the gamble to be a lot... You know, you're more inclined to make the gamble because the money's there as well. Oh, I think being told you'd be number one, that's probably the, the thing that gets you over the line. You reckon? I reckon. Because he could be number one at every other team, but that's not going to get you across the line. There's well, got to be but something he, but there. But he wouldn't be. Who, who, who could actually say you're going to be the number one driver? Oh, in any other team, if they were like... No, but outside a factory team. No no one could say that to him. That would, you know... It, uh, what do you mean? Well, it's a, factory, sense. it's a factory team that's offered him a number one position. Being offered a number one position at... Haas or something like that. Yeah. Do you think that would have really floated his boat? No, no, no. But yeah. I mean, you've got to you you've got to have some belief that they're going to be able to produce a car. You're not gonna you're not gonna take a number one position and go. We're always going to be mid pack because otherwise you'd stay at Red Bull. And even though you might be considered second, you're still going to get race wins and beat everyone anyway. He did it with Vettel. He did it with mm. Max. So the his idea now, I think it's a gamble. Will it pay off? I don't know. I, I think it's because they'll they'll build a car and a team around him is what's attracted him. Mm. And they've given him a commitment on that. Because I don't think anybody else could do that. Red Bull wouldn't do it. Mercedes wouldn't do it. Ferrari wouldn't do it. So if you get told you can be number one, pretty good for the ego. I don't know what it's like to get paid <laughs> $25 million a year. Um, in other F1 news, I sort of touched on this earlier with you. Um, mm. I'm interested. I want to get your um, your business... 
thought on what it means for uh, Force India. They're going to run out of money. <laughs> I think they've already run out of money. Um, to do with them going into uh, administration a week or two ago. Yeah, so you were sort of saying there was a, a private syndicate that had indicated they want to sort of take it over. They want to buy it out. They, they made it offer. Out. Yeah. Um, which I, I just, when these people want to sort of invest into F1, you know, all I see is a lot of money going out the door and I, I just don't have any visibility on what the sponsorship dollars are like particularly when you're that far down the pack. So it must be like a huge passion of the guys. They're not that, that far to... down the pack. They're the, in the middle field. It's Renault or um, Force India. Force India has got fourth in the Drivers' Championship for the last two who, or three who years Who drives running. for them? I don't even know. Oh, God. Esteban Ocon and... Um, oh, God, I've forgotten the other guy's name. So you got the Frenchman and then you got the Mexican guy who's sponsored by the telecoms dude. Ah, I'll insert slim, his name. Slim something. Or, oh, yeah. it, but the driver, oh, what is it? Sergio, no, Sergio Perez. Yeah, Sergio, Sergio Perez, Perez and Esteban Ocon. Okay. Um, but actually, let's. this is all tied in now because there was actually, Esteban Ocon was tipped to drive for Renault. <laughs> so he was meant to take Carlos Sainz's spot. Now Ricardo's come in and basically shoved him out. So He might be out of F1, potentially. No, he's, he's too good. So it happens. You've got so now you've got a seat at um, Rebel, Rebel, which is vacant. I reckon that's going to go to Pierre Gasly. Yeah, makes so, sense. So he's the number one driver for Toro, Toro Rosso. Rosso. Make feeder. But yep. then it's in a funny position because you know Brandon Hartley, who's uh, Mark Webber's former teammate. Mm. He has been on the outer quite a bit. His performance hasn't been that great in F one. So. That's almost given him a bit of breathing room now. because they got another year. Well, they've got too many seats to fill otherwise because mm. there'd be a lot of miss moving this and that. So I'd be very surprised if G- Gasly moves to the team, uh, the, 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 the daddy team, that uh, rebel team. That, that, that makes sense. But then you're not going to get rid of Hartley, I don't think, out of Toro Rosso and have two brand new drivers mm. in a season. That would be interesting. So they'll probably persevere with him mm. and he's probably got himself a bonus year to get things sorted. Yeah, potentially. So, who knows? Potentially. Um Let's jump off F1 news for a second. Let's dive into... Uh, it hurts a little bit to talk about it. The um, oh, <laughs> We're not sponsored by them yet, Keegan. So <laughs> settle down. <laughs> the, um, the lap record from uh, Lamborghini. The SVJ. Yeah, SV Yota. Yota. Um, what do you think? I, I think the lap looked a lot rougher than it did in the Porsche GT2 RS. Mm. Um, but look, the, the numbers indicate that it was a couple of seconds faster. Um, I guess there's a bit of discussion around whether Porsche will return with uh, a superior tyre package and have another crack at it. I don't know. Do you think that they'd, nah, they're, they're they're just, won't do they'll it. just leave it? They won't do it, I don't reckon. But it's pretty cool that there's sort of this you know, bit of competition out there and you know, who would have thought a Lamborghini would potentially rival a Porsche lap time a few years ago? You well, know, the thing is, got going the, for it. Part of the Porfamante, like they were nowhere. The, um, I mean, it's got what seven hundred and eighty horsepower. It mm. weighs the same as a Porsche, and it's all-wheel drive. That's the bonus. So, in theory, and you've got, I, I think more aero on it as well. Like heaps, a lot, forty percent more, I think, than the SV. Yeah, yep. so it's got a lot of aero on it. The thing I want is, I want McLaren to finally actually go to the ring and set a time. This is going back a few years now. Porsche set the ring record with the 918. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, I don't know if you ever saw this video, but it's almost a little bit embarrassing for McLaren. 
they had like a helicopter come out. They filmed all these angles of the P1. Did you ever see that video? Yeah, yeah I saw part of it. And they built it up as though they were going to release a lap time. Uh, yeah, and, and, and nothing ever came and out. And it's like it's going to be a record or yeah. something exciting. And nothing yeah. ever came out. They never mentioned it ever again. And one would assume that you didn't beat the lap time if that's the case. Otherwise, why wouldn't you come out with the lap time? When you essentially were alluding to the fact that, oh, you're going to come out with a lap time, blah, blah, blah. But now we've got the center, mm-hmm. which will destroy everything. Mm-hmm. If that goes to the ring, it will take the lap record no matter what. Like it's just going to smash it. Do well, you reckon that- they'll take it? McLaren, mm. I've got no idea. Mm. Um, but more interesting, we've talked about how ugly the center is. Have mm. you seen the speed tail that well, McLaren's released? Well, they haven't shown photos yet. It's just a rendery sort of thing, right? Well, I, I saw an image of somebody driving in a central position. I don't know if it was a doctored photo or not, but pretty cool that it's going to be three-seater. Yeah, no, no. So the whole, you know the whole premise of that car? Mm-hmm. It's the F1 in current day. So what they actually did, they had a 720S mule with the three-seater and it's the photo you've seen with Chris Goodwin sitting yeah, in the centre. Right. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. So you've got the centres like that on the hardcore side, then you've got the BP23, which will be called the speed tail, um, you know, which is the spiritual successor to the McLaren mm. F1 and supposedly should look good and have three seats and go really fast. That's pretty much it, really. <laughs> But again, McLaren releases another car. (laughs) (laughs) These ones actually sell out, though, unlike the other ones. It's just, oh, it's amazing how much product they're cranking out for such a young company. Do you think they'll, like, um, do you reckon they'll pull back a little bit? Or they're just going to keep going at the same rate? They have to. How can you possibly keep that rate up? What do you mean? They're going to pull back? I think so. You'd have to. You can't be releasing cars that often into perpetuity. I don't know. Because <laughs> you'll piss a lot of customers off. Yeah, but they've been doing that for, <laughs> for a few seven years, years now. Seven years. <laughs> yeah, they've got to fix it up. Yeah, I was listening to um, another podcast actually about talking about it. It's um, And they were talking about, oh, I guess, the impact of you know, releasing all these different models. Mm. They did make actually a pretty valid point because if you look at a Ferrari range... They have a pretty similar amount of cars. You know, if you look at Ferrari, you've got a, a entry of a California T. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, no, Portofino now. Then you have a, what, a 488, then a 488 Spider. Um, then you've got, you know, the performance version of that. You've got an 812 Superfast. You've got an FF with a couple of engines. So when you break it down, they still have quite a lot of cars. I think it's just that McLaren's obviously thrown all their cards on the table at once. And, you know, they release a version and then you know that a new version is going to be out in six months anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, it was like the 600 LT about three weeks ago. Three mm. weeks on, there's something else. So, probably by the next podcast, there'll be another bit of news. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, I, um, I, let's get away from all this fancy, expensive stuff, which is a bit silly. Um, S- since when has that been your view? <laughs> <laughs> I sold my car. What's happened to you? I sold my car in the, in the in the true in the true form of anyone who tries to be on mm. YouTube. Sold a car. I've sold yeah. my car out of nowhere. Um, I thought you were going to do a rap video. No, no. Uh, or an exhaust. No. Yeah. St- standard is good for me. So I've um, I sold the C sixty three. I sold it within like three four days, which has probably got to be the fastest selling C sixty three ever. There's, like they sit on the market. A lot of them sit mm. on the market because people are asking uh, drug money for them. And they've been abused, yeah. a whole bunch of them, like lots of kilometres, not necessarily taken as well care of as the condition mm. one you've got. So that's good. 
So I hope the guy who bought it isn't listening to this, but I did make a little profit on it, a small, a small profit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link in below. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, sold the C63. I've got it for another week and a half. It's just sitting here for the time being. Yep. Um, I've got something coming to replace it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a more modest replacement than the actual mm-hmm. outgoing car, which is uh, in in opposite to what most people do on the internet. They'll just go from one car and then jump up to the next one above it. I'm double, double, going, double down. Yeah, I'm actually I'm going backwards. I'm actually being being smart about but it. But I think it's a good move. I do too. And I think it'll be a very enjoyable car at many different levels. Definitely. So yeah. more to follow on what's coming. But what I plan to do, and I won't do it in here. I don't need to talk about it too much on here. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do a. Um, have you ever seen an exit interview? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I reckon they're really cool. People do like exit interviews. You could put all your shit in a cardboard box and take it away from the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's it's just interesting to talk about it because I'm fascinated by what everything costs to run. Because mm. no, I mean, you just serviced your car, the one sitting behind us here yep. this week. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to see because I've got the full history of my C63. Mm. Well, no longer mine anymore, but. It's fascinating to see the true cost of running something, you know, on a day-to-day basis and, mm. and everything that's involved because... You should have listened to your mother earlier on in life because she would have identified this. I, who made profit on a C63 AMG after driving 8,000 Ks? Not many people have done that. So, I think uh, I think I'm the real winner there. Um it was pretty cool, actually. I went when I, I did a the guy who bought it off me did a pre purchase inspection, and um, I took it to these guys in Marrickville. Mm-hmm. I think they're called International Auto House, and um, their workshop was unbelievable. It was like super state of the art. Mm-hmm. Um, it was clean and how you'd want it to look. And you drive in there, and it's they focus on AMGs, and um, like there was three. Three, uh, three C63s there, CLS 63 AMG shooting brake. There was a couple M4s. And they've even got, I think they've got the world's fastest um, C63 drag car. They have a drag car. <laughs> but they have a, um, uh, they've got a dyno in-house. Okay. I've always wanted to dyno a car, like a you know before and after if you were to modify it or something. And um, it, was, it was really cool. It was just a really nice facility. And it was almost a shame. It was like... Um, met the guy there and had I kept the C63, like I definitely would have taken my car there. It was really fascinating because I had, um, I'd had thoughts of, you know, my C63 was a non-performance pack one. Mm. So you can like put limited slip diffs in them, uh, exhaust headers, all these other bits and pieces. And he was sort of, uh, rambling off, a, you know, running off a few, like telling me what they would do to them. And it was quite fascinating, the sort of performance modification process a lot of them take. And at some point, I think that would be pretty fun to take a car and uh, evolve it over time. Mm. I don't think a C63 necessarily is the best package for me to evolve in, in what I sort of want to do. But what's coming, I think, um, would be a fun mm. A fun evolution package at a somewhat modest expense as well, which I think is going to be the most fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking I was telling you as well, there'll be some plans to maybe do some track days and some fun stuff in what's arriving because cost of consumables will certainly uh, come down as well, which should be a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. Um, so you're not going to say what it is? No, no, no. I'll leave that. I'll leave that. Let's a um, bit of suspense, mate. We've got we've got to get people subscribing. We've got to get another episode out of it. I got two subscribers since we did our last podcast, mate. So, <laughs> as a percentage, it's a one point seven five percent increase um, in market share for the podcast. So we're doing well. Um, but in, on the on the topic of this whole process of selling a car, yeah, there's so much shit involved with like um, 
getting it ready. Like the car had sold and I had to do the pre-purchase inspection. Mm. He was happy with that. So then transfer went through, blah, blah, blah. Had to go and put, because I had the vanity plates on it, you mm-hmm. know, the flacked. Um, so I go and put them on hold. Now you got the taxi plates on it. But get this. Oh, <laughs> it, it looks ridiculous. The car's out of shot right now, but uh, the car looks silly. Um, when you put your plates on hold, uh, if you mm. have a vanity plate, you know how there's like an annual fee? Yep. You have to pay the full year's annual fee ahead of time. Even though it wasn't due, they make you, when you put it on hold, they make you pay it and you get a rebate back at the thing. So that was a $400 just to put your plates on hold. Mm. And then um, I ordered a, um, a different looking plate. I ordered a Euro version mm. of it. That was another $400 just for the plate. For, so the, for the new car. You pay a one-off fee to change the look. You know how if you get a vanity plate, you yeah. can get like a normal black and white or you can, you know, obviously here here in Sydney. So that go plate's going to go on your incoming car? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. I understand now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. A full Euro plate. Okay. So that might give you some hints that it is a Euro car incoming. Oh, and I've owned a few of them before. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So... That's all from me this week. Is there anything you want to touch on in, in a bit of a... We were talking about servicing costs before. Yeah. And I had the car serviced. Mm. And the good news is, is as, as well as the car being pretty much a Volkswagen Beetle, it costs as much as a Volkswagen Beetle to service, as I found during the week. Was that a minor or a major? So it's just a minor. Um, and this is a really critical thing for people out there. If you are interested in sort of like mid-90s cars and getting mm. something that's a bit sort of retro-modern, um, is keeping into account whether you can actually start the thing after not driving it for a couple of weeks. Did but it not start? No, it did. Uh. But there's other cars we know that yeah. wouldn't. But also the cost of servicing. And yeah, pleasantly surprised. It was, it was you know, really the cost of servicing a new car um, that, you know, Volkswagen would probably have in their range. So um, you can enjoy these things at reasonable cost. Touch wood, hopefully nothing goes wrong. Mm. The next is a major, but... Um. Yeah, it's kind of nice to know that you can sort of enjoy it and freshen the car up and have it serviced by you know the authorized dealer. Get get that stamp in the book, as we know. Get the history, mm. um, and you don't have to sort of give them your leg before you walk out the door. So, That's be interesting good. to see what you've got next and what your running costs are relative to current. Oh, that'd be a lot cheaper to run. Except depending on if you start doing track days and stuff. That, um. I was sort of talking to you about it actually. This the the desire to to race and all that sort mm. of stuff. And and you and I we went to uh, City Motorsport Park yesterday for the supercars. Yeah, to watch the supercars and also uh, Carrera Cup. Cup. And they had the Asia Cup there as well. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was like twenty seven cars in that race. Mm. That's a lot of Carrera Cup. Some cool liveries as well. Mm. Like they had the seventy years anniversary, a few sponsors which sort of had some pretty cool color schemes and whatnot. But um, yeah, there were some big boy races in that, weren't they? Oh, it's isn't it? It's um, <laughs> you walk around the paddock and you just see these like uh, B doubles of like um, you know real race teams, and then you have like personally funded race teams, mm. and it just blows my mind. Like thinking of the cost to to get to that level, but at some point, um, you know, these people got there. So I'm thinking of like um, uh, Scott Taylor Motorsport, yep. or even. Um, uh, like Tony Quinn, I don't mm-hmm. know what his racing team's called, but he's had a number of them. But mm. somewhere along the line, these people started. Now, obviously, they had successful businesses, but mm. I'm interested to go down the pathway of find out, is it possible to race on a real budget? Like, I'm talking super budget. Um, you might end up in an administration like Force India. 
<laughs> Probably will before I even get started. <laughs> Uh, is it actually? Is this a question for you? Is yeah. it all? Is it tax deductible if you're advertising and stuff? Oh, we don't provide tax advice on this podcast. We'll have a chat off air. <laughs> That's probably why these guys all have these race teams, isn't I, it? I think you'll find a lot of a lot of people that have private businesses um, either have horse racing or motorsport and these sort of things that sort of get folded into their business interests and. There's a particular reason behind that. Is there? Is there? Um, do you cop fringe FBT fringe benefits tax for any of that stuff? I'm not. Or is it a straight write off? I, I, I don't think there'd be any FBT associated with it. Okay. Yeah, because I'm not sure what what the benefit is. Getting to drive a race car. <laughs> That's <laughs> for your business. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is it? It's isn't it funny how I guess you get the marketing off it, but I, I don't think marketing falls into fringe benefits. But is that the, is that the play for these guys? That is the word marketing. Is that how they? I would think it's marketing and advertising and it's largely entertainment. So yeah. I'm going to use your business knowledge and somewhere along the line, some way, somehow, mm. at, in the next 12 months, we've got to do a race, right? When I say race, okay. I'm talking like a 24 hours of lemons, like the, <laughs> the cheapest race possible or even even a um, you can do like go-kart endurance racing. Okay, Yeah, and that's, that smashes your body. Yeah, in oh. like a Subaru. They, they're called like the – they have Subaru-powered. They're like a lawnmower on yeah, thing. Yeah. But they do like endurance six hours, eight hours or um, whatever. You, you come out of them bruised and battered. Mm. Yeah. But I reckon at some point along the way, we need to try and – create something whether it's track days or trying to build mm-hmm. a super budget race team i don't know i want to co- cover some sort of a project yeah i think okay. that, i think that'd be an exciting and fun thing to actually do because i know for someone like myself you just watch all this stuff online and you're like how do these people do it mm-hmm. like how do they do it it's it's well, they just crazy. prioritize it probably give up a holiday or um don't end up buying that house they've always been saving for <laughs> or, or even like um you know, these guys who do run these race teams, how much of it is sponsorship dollars and how much is someone actually tipping in behind the scenes? That's, that's what mm. fascinates me is, you know, can you run uh, in any series, whether it's, you know, the Nissan Pulsar series or Aussie racing mm. cars or, or any anything uh, for that matter um, where you've actually got sponsors that are genuinely helping it tick along? I would have thought you'd be very fortunate if you could even have it break even. Yeah, yeah, it depends how good your accountant is, I guess. Oh, I just, I, <laughs> I, I suspect like these guys end up just tip topping it up, and they might be lucky and get a few sponsors, but then, you know, the sponsors lose interest and they come and go. And if you're really mm. that passionate, you want to do it, well, you just have to pay for it yourself. But it's you, you just what, have to get a sponsor. Well, that's the thing is, I'm, I'm that whole process of like um, getting sponsored and then adding value to the sponsors for them to, you know, actually Mm. use you. Like, I think um, there was a point when we were walking past one of the trucks yesterday. I forget which race team it was, but there was about like 60 sponsors on the back of it. Yeah. And it's like, what exposure or what benefit, you know, I'm really interested to see the nitty gritty and there's no one on earth who would be prepared to talk numbers or talk about it. But that's why like that whole thing of having a go yourself really intrigues me to see what's even possible. Well, if you just look at the, like the fans and we'll talk about how they're absolute diehards that support supercars. Mm. And I suspect that that's the same behind the people putting up the sponsorship dollars. I don't think they say, hey, we're going to put X dollars in and we're going to get this Benefit. sort of return or business yeah. development. I think it's like, we just love this, so we're just going to support it. And mm. I suspect that's the extent of the analysis because if you ran the numbers, I don't know how you'd even yeah, link 
what you get out of it. You know, they might have some corporate hospitality and entertain clients and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think you do it for the love, not for the money. So I guess what I'm getting to is if there's anyone out here with extremely deep pockets that's watching or listening, <laughs> help a couple brooders out. <laughs> brooders out. Um, All right. Perfect. Okay. Well, look, I think we will we'll keep this one a little bit short and sharp. Obviously, a bit of a two or three week hiatus there, but mm-hmm. um, back on deck. Ren Sport is still uh, incoming hot. Um, yeah, getting close. It's coming close. We should probably start booking some things. <laughs> yeah, probably like six, seven weeks off. This is late September, right? Yeah. Yeah, so not too far off at all. all so right. let's get cracking on that. Um, thanks for tuning in. It's a bit of a ramble. This one's been all over the place. It's like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we'll see you in the next one. Subscribe and uh, follow along for more shenanigans and um, probably administration attempts. Uh, sorry attempts at building a race team and then turning folding into administration before we get off the ground that's probably what will happen we'll try and do it nice and quick (laughs) thanks guys thanks